Good morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing together? I love the, the sentiment of this song. It says, I got an old church choir that's just singing in my soul. You can't take away the joy, you know. The world didn't give us this joy. The world can't take it away. Uh, it comes from the Lord himself. Let's sing this together. Old church choir. Let's, let's try that again. That's what we hear in our ears. It helps us all stay together. Okay, here we go. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Oh, can you Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. This is Launch Sunday. This is when our kids and our students move up into new classes. We're also launching into a new sermon series this week, so we're excited about that. We hope this is a time that uh, we all launch into uh, committing to a new church year as the summer is over, and now it's time to uh, get back into our normal routines. And so we want to welcome you and thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we'd love to get to know you, and one of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's located right in front of you. If you could take one and fill it out after our service, you just walk it over here to the left to the Welcome Center. Uh, you can drop it off there, uh, either with Dr. Cox or there's a box you can drop it in. And, um, and we have got a small gift for you, and it's just a way that we can express our gratitude for you being here this morning. Uh, we want to take a moment to pray, and then we will continue our worship gathering together. Let's, let's pray for a moment. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. And Lord, as, uh, as we meet as uh, the saints here at First Baptist Church, God, I pray that you would meet with us and that you would speak to us, Lord. And God, that you would be glorified. And we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I love this song. Because he lives. Uh, amen. Will you stand and let's sing together?
safe harbor. You are the place of safety. You are the place of healing. You, you are the one who brings about healing in our hearts. And so, Lord, we run to you this morning for things that we can't, we can't understand, we run to you. For hurts that we can't heal, we run to you. You are the good Father who loves us no matter what. And for that, we love you, Lord. And now we come and we pray that today as we enter into this time of service that, uh, that, we, um, that we hear a word from you, Lord, this morning. Pierce our hearts with your message so that it changes us, Lord, because we have experienced you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm excited to see you today. I love new beginnings, and this is the beginning of a new church here. So glad you're here to start off with us in this new year. I hope this will be a habit in your life uh, that you'll repeat with your family and have your family in, in church uh, each Sunday that you're able. And we're so glad you're here. Uh, I want to point you also to our new beginning of Wednesday night. Uh, begins this Wednesday. Uh, we don't have meetings just to fill something up, our discipleship strategy is large group worship, small group connection groups on Sunday mornings so you can connect with God, one another, the Bible and ministry, and then discipleship on Wednesday night. So we start back. This is how you go deeper. This is how you build relationships in our church. 
We have supper at 5 o'clock by reservation, prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. Come meet and pray with us for 25 minutes. At 6.30, we have our, our Christian Discipleship Pathway, and I'll be beginning an introductions class. And I want to invite you, if you're new to our church or if you, you just haven't been through it, to come at 6.30 this Wednesday. It's a four-week class that I lead, 45 minutes, beginning at 6.30 each Wednesday night for the four weeks in August. And it's an introduction to the staff, the campus, the ministries, the mission, the beliefs of First Baptist Church, introduction to how to uh, find your spiritual gift, how to grow as a Christian. So you can join our church in that, but there's no obligation or pressure. You can just come check us out. So I want to invite you to come, be a part of that introductions uh, class. You've already had that. Some other great options, Old Testament survey, caregivers, further discussion, they're listed in your, your worship guide there. Today I want to begin, Lord willing, an eight-week sermon series preaching through the book of Amos. I, I believe in preaching through books of the Bible because that lets God set the agenda for what we do in this time rather than me. If I pick out scriptures, then uh, that's good, but it's even better if God shares with us the order in which he made. So we're going verse by verse through the book of Amos. Uh, Amos is an Old Testament prophet. Uh, New, Timothy charges me as a pastor to preach the whole counsel of God, so I try to preach every year through a New Testament book, an Old Testament. So we're going to be looking at the book of Amos. I want to start with a theme verse, Amos 3.8, I think sort of the theme of this book, and it says, the lion has roared, who will not fear? And so Amos is going to compare the Lord to a lion and he roars as a lion roars when it's about to attack or when it has attacked. And so when a lion roars, who would not fear? I think we're missing a healthy fear of the Lord. I don't think that we have in our culture, in many of our churches, a healthy fear, reverence, awe of the Lord. I don't think we fear his judgment. I think instead we tend to stand in judgment upon God. And we, we judge God and we criticize God. I can't believe a God would do that. I can't worship a God who does that. A good God wouldn't do that. We treat him like a frog in high school biology that you dissect rather than as the lion whom we fear. Amos says, the lion is roared. Who will not fear? I've never been to Africa. Maybe some of you have. I've never heard a lion roar. But let me tell you one of my childhood experiences, okay? When I was growing up, we had cattle and uh, they were on a piece of property not at our house. You had to drive to it. My dad would come home from work. He would go every uh, evening in the winter to put hay out for the cattle, to feed the cattle. Sometimes I would ride with him, and we would go in the winter. Sometimes it would be after dark, you know, short days by the time he got off from work. So one day we went to feed the cattle, putting hay out. It had just gotten dark, and we had this pasture and then a hill with a big pine thicket right beyond it. And from that pine thicket, came this blood-curdling, not really a roar, or more like a scream. We thought, it sounds like a mountain lion, but mountain lions have been extinct in North Georgia for hundreds of years. Couldn't be a mountain lion, but what was it? And it would pace back and forth in that pine thicket, and we were there with the cattle, and it's dark, and you'd hear it here, and then you'd wait for a few minutes. And I'm about eight or nine years old, and I've got a flashlight, and it's going, you know, you know, you're looking by, and then you'd hear it over here, and it would pace back and forth, and I can still remember that feeling, the hair standing up on my arms, standing in awe. What is that? What's about to happen? We heard it for three consecutive nights, and then never heard it again. Don't know what it was. But to, have you ever felt like that? I think Amos had. Let me share with you Amos 1.1. It says that Amos was a shepherd who took care of sheep and that he lived near the village of Tekoa. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. Tekoa is a village just a few miles from Bethlehem where David grew up. David was a shepherd. David had killed lions in that vicinity as a shepherd with his slingshot, the Bible says. There were lions there. This shepherd had heard the lion roar, like I did that night, and there is a sense of awe. And so he says in verse 2, Amos 1-2, The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem, and the pastures of the shepherds dry up, and the top of Carmel withers. So in this study through Amos, we're going to try to recover a sense of healthy 
reverence for the Lord, fear of his judgment, awe of his greatness. So we begin today with Amos' first sermon. It's a long passage. It goes through the first two chapters of Amos. And the theme of this first sermon is everyone answers to God. Everyone answers to God. And so what Amos does, he prophesies about each of um, Israel's neighboring nations, seven nations around Israel, and tells how each of them answers to God. We're going to go through them. Here we go. In chapter 1, verse 3, this is what the Lord says, For three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not relent. So the first nation is northeast of Israel. Their neighbor to the northeast is Damascus. And it follows the same formula, exact same formula in each of these seven. It always says, for three sins of blank and for four. What does that mean? Well, it's a way of saying, God's saying, I've been patient a long time with this country. Not only three sins, but four. It's saying that God knows and he keeps count. And it's saying that uh, I've been long-suffering and judgment is overdue for three sins and for four. And so for three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not relent. Same words in each of those. And then the next sentence always begins with the word because. And then he shares why they, he will not relent in his judgment against them, why they're being judged. He lists their sin. And so we're going to look down through here. The first one is that uh, Damascus will answer to God for cruelty, for cruelty. Because she threshed Gilead with sledges having iron teeth. They threshed or crushed or beat the grain to separate from the stalk and from the chaff. And you're saying, well, you have been so cruel, you've threshed a neighboring nation. And then it says in verse 4, and always it starts this way, then because of that sin, here's the punishment, and it always begins, I will send fire every time. I will send fire on the house of Haziel, that's the name of a king, that will consume the fortresses of Ben-Hadad, that's a king. I'll break down the gates of Damascus, your defenses will not hold against me. Uh, I'll break down the gates, I'll destroy the king who's in the valley of Avon, and the one who holds the scepter in Beth Eden, the people of Aram will go into exile to Kerr, says the Lord. Here's the second neighboring nation to the southwest on the Mediterranean Sea, Gaza. There's still a Gaza Strip there that we talk about today. They're still fighting there right now, today. Verse 6, this is what the Lord says, For three sins of Gaza, even for four, I will not relent, because she took captive whole communities and sold them to Eden. So Gaza is going to answer for slave trading. They were buying and selling and trading peoples as slaves. And because of that, verse 7, I will send fire on the walls of Gaza that will consume her fortresses. I'll destroy the king of Ashdod and the one who holds the scepter in Ashkelon. I'll turn my hand against Ekron. These are various cities of Gaza. Till the last of the Philistines are dead, says the sovereign Lord. He's going to wipe out the Philistines. Do you know any Philistines today? No, you do not know any Philistines today. You know Jews because God preserved that people, but you don't know Philistines because he wiped them out, as he said. The third nation is to the northwest on the seacoast of, of uh, the Mediterranean, Tyre. And verse 9 it says, this is what the Lord says, for three sins of Tyre, even for four, I will not relent. Because she sold whole communities of captives to Edom, there's that slave trading again, disregarding a treaty of brotherhood. And so the added element is here, Tyre will answer to God for breaking a treaty. I will send fire on the walls of Tyre that will consume her fortresses. Then Edom is the next nation in verse 11. That is their neighbor to the southeast. This is what the Lord says, For three sins of Edom, even for four, I will not relent, because, here's the indictment, the sin, because he pursued his brother with a sword. So Edom is another name for Esau. Jacob, which is another name for Israel, Jacob and Esau were brothers. And so Edom and Israel are brother nations, but Edom didn't take care of that brother relationship, and they betrayed or attacked a brother. For Edom will answer to God for betraying a brother because he pursued his brother with a sword and also slaughtered the women of the land, crimes against women. 
because his anger raged continually and his fury flamed unchecked, uncontrolled anger. Because of those sins, I'll send fire on Teman that will consume the fortresses of Basra. The next nation is Ammon, which is to the east across the Jordan River, neighbor. This is what the Lord says, for three sins of Ammon, even for four, I'll not relent, because he ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to extend his borders. And so they'll answer for killing the unborn, for attacking women, for genocide. Um, because of that, I will set fire to the walls of Rabbah that will consume her fortresses amid war cries on the day of battle and violent winds on a stormy day. Her king will go into exile, he and his officials together, says the Lord. Chapter 2 begins with Moab, the nation to the southeast. Tell all these neighbors of Israel, this is what the Lord says, for three sins of Moab, even for four I will not relent, because he burned to ashes the bones of Edom's king. And so they, uh, Moab will answer for burning the king's bones. Uh, You've you got to really not like somebody when they're already dead and you still want to do something bad to them. you know. And they're desecrated a national monument like the Lincoln Memorial or whatever. So they're desecrating this nation. They're answering for desecrating a, a, a neighboring nation and disrespecting um, the king and the dead. So, verse 2, I'll send fire on Moab that will consume the fortresses of Kerioth. Moab will go down to great tumult amid war cries and the blast of the trumpet. I'll destroy her ruler and kill all her officials with him, says the Lord. So, we've looked at six nations. Let's stop for a moment here before we go farther and see what we can learn from about these. We learn that everyone answers to God. Everyone answers to God. Nations answer to God. The nations of our world today will answer to God. We learn that God is our God, the God of the Bible, is not just a regional or provisional God. You ever heard somebody say everybody has their God and these other nations have their own gods? That's not what the Bible says. Sure, all these nations have their gods, but there's only one true living God and the God of the Bible. And every nation of our world will answer to the one true living God of the Bible. It shows us that God knows what's going on. Well, God knew about all these nations, didn't he? He knew their sins. He knew their crimes. Do you know God knows what's going on in your life? And he knows what's going on in the world today. He's not unaware. That people may seem to get by with things. God knows. He remembers. He, he keeps record of the things that are going on. God knows what's happening. Now, you see, if you're a victim, that can be a comforting truth to you. Some of you may have been the victim of a crime that's not been, justice hasn't been served. Maybe some of you are abuse victims and somebody got by with abusing you. Maybe you've been lied about and your name has been ruined. You've been betrayed at work. You've been a victim of some sin or some crime in your life. Then I want you to hear what Amos says here. Everyone answers to God. And you can gain some comfort in knowing that there is justice. There will be justice. Everyone answers to God, and God knows what's going on. If you're a perpetrator of evil, this is a convicting passage, isn't it? Because you may think that you, you're an abuser, you've been guilty of a crime, you've lied about somebody, you've betrayed, and, and you think you've gotten by there's secret sin in your life maybe right now that you think that is not going to be held into account. And this passage should let you know God knows, God remembers, everyone answers to God. We look at this list of what God was judging these nations for and we see the things that God cares about. What's the commonality in these first six nations, these neighbors of Israel? The commonality is these are all sins against people against your fellow man. You, you were cruel, you traded slaves, you ripped open pregnant women, you, 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 you betrayed a brother. God cares about how we treat people. You hear that? And these are especially, they're being called out for sins against the weak and the powerless. People sold into slavery, pregnant women attacked, God 
cares about the weak and the powerless. We're going to see that throughout Amos. And how you treat other people that you have influence over and how you treat the weak and the marginalized and the oppressed is important to God because God has Amos bring it up with every one of these six nations. The nations of the world today will be judged about how they treat people and where there are crimes against the unborn and where there is slave trading and where there is breaking of treaties. God takes that serious and God will judge that. Everyone answers to God. Well, let's go to the next nation, and that is Judah. So in verse 4, this is what the Lord says, For three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not relent. Now, after the days of Solomon, the nation of Israel divided into two parts. Sort of like North and South Korea. you got two that share a language and a culture and a religion, but they're, they're divided. They're not, they're not friends anymore. So it, the northern kingdom is Israel. The southern kingdom is Judah. Amos was from Judah down in the South Dakota. He is going up to Israel to preach. So he's talking now about his home nation, the southern kingdom of Judah. And it says, for three sins of Judah, even for four I'll not re- relent, because they've rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees. Judah will answer to God for breaking the law or rejecting the law. Now you see, that's different. You see why? Because Judah had the Ten Commandments. Judah had the revelation of God in the Old Testament, and they're going to be judged by a higher standard. If you have more revelation, you're judged greater. People say, well, God's not fair if he's going to judge everybody, even people who never uh, uh, don't know about him. I've had people ask me, how could God be fair and judge people who've never had a missionary come, who don't know the Bible, wouldn't be fair, they say, of God to judge those who haven't heard about Jesus. Well, this passage can help you answer that question. They're not judged the same. Judah has the revelation, as we do, and so Judah will be judged by the revelation they have, breaking the Ten Commandments, it says in these verses. These other Uh, These other nations are not judged by the revelation they don't have, but they're judged by how they treat other people because everybody knows through creation and conscience that there is a God and there is a moral right and wrong that is universal. And so those nations that still don't have the Bible yet, they're still judged by God on how they've treated other people because they're without excuse and they are accountable to him. You see it here? God is, is just and fair and knows a whole lot better than we do. And so there's a different standard of judgment, but by all means, they are judged because they ripped open pregnant women and traded slaves and because they have broken treaties and so forth. So Judah is going to be judged for breaking the law. And by the way, that's where we are. We're judged, and the more you know, the greater possibility and privilege you have and also the greater accountability you have. And we've received the full revelation of God and we're accountable to him. So, because they've rejected the law of God, they've not kept his decrees, because they've been led astray by false gods, the gods of their ancestors followed, I will send fire on Judah that will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Now, up to this point in this sermon, Amos' hearers were probably saying, Amen, we like this sermon, you're going to judge this nation, this nation, this nation. All of our enemies around us are going to be met with fire. This is good. We like this sermon. And then Amos has the twist at the close of the sermon. If Amos were a baseball pitcher, here would come the curveball. Here would come the twist. Because then Amos says in verse 6, this is what the Lord says, For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. Now he's talking not about somebody else, he's talking about them. This would be sort of like if a prophet today were to say, God is going to judge Putin for invading Ukraine. And millions of people have been displaced from their homes, and Russia is going to burn because of that. And some of us might say, Amen. And then the prophet said, and China is going to be judged. The Uyghurs are an oppressed people that are genocide and are being wiped out. 
and Christians are persecuted in China, and China is going to burn. And we might say, amen, you know. And North Korea and Iran are trying to get nuclear weapons, and they're in danger of causing worldwide destruction, and those two nations are going to burn. And we might say, amen. And then, in this point in the sermon, he says, and the United States of America. And we say, oh, no, no, wait a minute, you know. That's what we got right here. Or, to bring it closer to home, maybe a prophet in the United States says, San Francisco is an immoral city, allowing all kinds of perversion. San Francisco is going to drop off in the ocean. Amen. Some of, some, not everybody would say that. Some of you people from San Francisco would say that. Amen. Somebody would say, Portland, lawlessness. They don't enforce their laws. They're going to... They're gonna, they're going to be judged by God. Amen. Judge Port Minneapolis defunding the police. They can't keep order. Chicago full of crime. Amen. And they say Tennessee is going to burn. Wait, 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 wait. Now, wait a minute. That's what we've got right now. Now he brings it to us. Now he brings it to, to who we are. And so here's what he says. For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. And here we're going to see three themes that are going to be judged on. These are the main themes of the book of Amos that we're going to look at the next several weeks. Other things, but these are the three main themes that the book of Amos is about. So he's giving you a preview here of the sins that, that Amos is going to ferret out in our lives. And um, he's going to have us to want to look at our lives and recover that healthy fear of the Lord in these three areas. First of all, Israel will answer to God for injustice. This is the primary theme of the book of Amos, injustice. Or if you want to call it dishonesty or oppression or a lack of integrity, that basic dishonesty and unfairness in daily business dealings, that's what Amos is going to criticize them for from God's word. So it says, verse 6, They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. In your business dealings, you would sell out a person over a pair of sandals. And it says, they trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. And so we're going to look at our business dealings and our resumes and our school cheating and our tax returns. Are we people of integrity in those things? Because that's what God says I care about and you'll answer to me for. There must be basic honesty and integrity and how you treat oppressed people. The second thing he calls, says they're going to be judged for is sexual sin. And he says in verse, the latter part of verse 7, Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. Talking about prostitution, maybe even cult prostitution in those religious shrines. of, uh, And he says, you profane my name when you who bear my name engage in sexual sin. And today in our culture, there is little fear of God about sexual sin. Sex is a wonderful gift of God given by him for a man and a woman within a marriage relationship and anything beyond that is a perversion of that and our culture does not see it that way and we don't think anything about in premarital sex or extramarital sex or homosexual relationships or any kind of perversion or pornography that we are going to answer to God for that and that's what we're going to see in this book of Amos. And the third sin that he calls them into account for and says that their nation will burn because of it is empty religion. And he says in verse 8, they lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. Now, you had to go back to Exodus 22, and it said that if you loan somebody money or they owed you, you could take their cloak as a security until that loan was paid. But it said you had to give it back to them every night because for a poor guy, that was his sleeping bag. That's what kept him warm, kept him from freezing. You had to return that coat by sundown so but they weren't doing that and they lie down beside every altar they're going to church in the coat that they took from somebody that they were supposed to according to the old testament law give back by sunset and their religion they're still going through the motions of religion still going to church but it was empty it wasn't changing their lives they lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge in the house of their God. They drink wine taken as fines. And so this uh, ill-gotten gain, it didn't they still went to church, but their church life was 
bound together with dishonesty. And he says, I'll judge you for that empty religion, religion that doesn't change your life. And so he says in verse 8, I destroyed the Amorites before you, though they were tall as the cedars and strong as the oats. I destroyed their fruit from above, their roots below. And I brought you up out of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to give you the land of the Amorites. So he said, you know the land you're in now. The reason you've got it is because there were other people here and I judged them. Their sin reached the, the breaking point. And when their sin reached the sin limit, I judged them and gave the land to you. So don't you think that I could do the same with you? If your sin reaches a point where my long-suffering cannot endure it any longer, then I'll take the land and give it to somebody else. We live in a land that used to belong to Native Americans, and God gave it to Europeans, and he could give it to someone else just as easily. And he said, verse 11, I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from among your youths. Is that not true, people of Israel? I gave you people to show you the right path. I raised up preachers, Nazarites, they took a special vow to the Lord. Part of it was that they did not drink, didn't cut their hair, didn't drink. They were sort of a set-apart group to, uh, to be prophets to the people. He said, verse 12, but you made the Nazarites drink wine. You, you made them compromise their vows and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. So now then I will crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. You know how I would translate that? You're going to be roadkill. going to be roadkill. You, ever, you know, you, you see possums all the time now. You see armadillos, you know. You see this, so you're going to be like one of those armadillos on the side of the road. I'll crush you as, as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape. The strong will not muster their strength. The warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground. The fleet-footed soldier will not get away. The horseman will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. He's saying even the best of the warriors will not escape my judgment upon you. We seek to recover in this series a healthy fear of the Lord, a fear of his judgment, an awe and respect of him, the lion has roared, who will not fear. And we begin today by learning, being reminded, everyone answers to God. Maybe you're here today and you're the, you're the, you've, you've been wronged, you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been abused. You think there's no justice in the world, and I want to offer you a word of encouragement today. There's a God who, even though he may seem slow, he's waiting for three sins and for four sometimes. He knows. He holds account. You will receive justice. You can trust in God. Don't you take vengeance. Don't you be consumed with bitterness and anger and vengeance. Trust God. And if today you are in that position, if there's sexual sin in your life, if you're here today but it's empty religion and the rest of the day your thoughts in your life on things that don't please him, if you're oppressing the poor, if you're cheating at work, at school, God hates those things. That's what he called out Israel for and judged them for. And so what you want to do to avoid the judgment of God is to repent because in the goodness of God, he has sent his one and only son, Jesus, to take the punishment that you deserved, to die for your sin, to burn for you, to be judged for you so that you could experience the gift of forgiveness in life. That's the goodness of God. And his warning to you is to drive you to a savior. His warning to you is to drive you to repentance that you would trust in him. Let's pray together. Oh God, if you have spoken to us in any way by your spirit today of sin in our life, we want to confess that now. We want to abandon and turn from that by your help. We want to be cleansed by your blood and right in your sight and have the joy of our salvation. And we want to live for you holy lives that please you by the power of your spirit. Lord, if there's a person who's hurt, who's crushed, who's been ripped open, who's been abandoned, oh God, May they gain comfort in knowing that you care and you know and you're there and you're in control and you'll bring all into account. Give them grace and strength, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. Today you could come to Jesus. You could put your faith in him. Today you could come and...
afraid to repent of sin, to join our church. Whatever you need to do, this is a time just to come and pray here, come to me and share a commitment. I'll pray with you. Uh, As we sing together, you can walk forward and make that decision. Just a couple of reminders here as we close out the service. This week we kick uh, all of our weekly activities back off. CDP classes will be starting back up. We'll have choir practice, have student ministry service. Uh, this morning, of course, is launch Sunday. And so we want to invite you to be a part of a connection group class. Uh, if you're not already, uh, you can, as you're exiting the doors, if you head down to your left there to the welcome desk, they will make sure they get you to an appropriate class. And so we want to invite you to be a part of, of a connection group class this year. So we're thankful for our teachers that are beginning. Many people are beginning to teach uh, this morning, uh, Connection Group, for the first time. And so as we, as we pray here in a moment, we're going to pray for all of our classes and pray uh, just for all the activities that are uh, starting back here this week as we you know, launch into a new school year and launch into a, 
a new season of activities here at the church. If you're a guest with us as you're exiting, uh, we'd love to have uh, the chance for you to meet our lead pastor, Dr. Cox. And so if you can take that guest registration form down there with you to the welcome desk, that's a great way for him to be able to connect with you. And he's got a small gift uh, for all first-time guests. And then it's our practice here at First Baptist. We, uh, we give of our tithes and our offerings there on the, on the back wall. And so you'll see those drop boxes. You can place any tithes and offerings that you have there in uh, the, those drop boxes as you're exiting. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll be done. Father, we thank you uh, for your love, for your grace, uh, that you're just, that you're fair. And, Father, that you call us just to live righteously for you. Lord, I pray uh, for this new school year, for this new uh, season here as we launch out in this, this new year uh, here at church as well. Father, I want to pray for all the teachers who have committed to teach this year. And, Lord, we pray that you just um, help them to, to teach, help them to lead, uh, speak through them, God, clearly. Uh, use them and, and their efforts and their study through the week uh, just to encourage other adults, to encourage other students, to encourage other kids uh, to know you more, Father, to love, uh, to love you more. Lord, we pray for uh, the Wednesday activities that will be kicking uh, back off this week in our CDP classes. Lord, we just lift all this stuff to you and, and pray, uh, Lord, that it encourages us so that we can uh, live for you, that we can represent you well to our community, uh, that we can live for you in all things. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.